This is Christian Book Blurb, brought to you by author and songwriter Matt McClary. Get a behind-the-scenes glimpse into the lives of some of your favourite Christian authors. Hear about their books and faith. Also, why not check out my website, mattmcclary.com. Well, hello, and it's a very warm welcome to you. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Christian Book Blurb podcast. This is the podcast that aims to encourage you in your discipleship as we meet some amazing Christian authors and learn about their books, their lives, and their faith on this twice-monthly podcast. I am your host, Matt McClary. Thanks so much for joining me. On today's show, I'm going to be talking about understanding rest as worship with the author Sam Hargreaves. So let's welcome Sam to the show. Hi, Sam. Hi, Matt. It's really nice to be here. Thanks for having me. It's so good to have you here. I just want to mention at the very beginning of our podcast that um, the book you have written, The Rest is Worship, but you've written it alongside your wife, Sarah. That's right, yeah. So Sarah and Sam Hargreaves, The Rest is Worship. So that's the book that we are basing our discussion and everything else on today. So do go and check it out. Now, Sam, I have interviewed a few other authors who've written books on worship-related topics, and I always like to start off by asking them what they think worship is, Mm -hmm. because it's so often misunderstood, or, you know, I go to this denomination, little church, and and worship equals this, or worship is that, or, you know... We could be so full of different ideas mm. as to what worship is. So I always like to ask um, my guests who write on the subject, what is worship to you? What do you mean yeah. when you use the term worship? Yeah. I mean, I quite like the fact that there's lots of different definitions because, frankly, the Bible doesn't come down on one definition. And you've got all these words that we translate worship but actually that's loads of different greek and hebrew terms and and sometimes it's talking about worship but it's not even using one of those words um but i think for us the most important um center of worship is jesus Uh, and i think often worship gets weird when we lose the fact that really jesus is uh, the heart of our worship that jesus is leading us to the father by the holy spirit both in what he did on the cross and his continuing intercession at the hand of the father so it's a really trinitarian thing uh, and that's really freeing for me because actually it takes the pressure off that it's not all about me that i have to get it all right i have to play exactly the right songs or pray the right prayers actually it's a gift of grace and somehow jesus comes alongside us and he sort of joins you know he well i feel like i'm the junior partner in the worship leading game you know that he's the true worship leader um, and then in yeah various places we've we've tried to sort of add other definitions. We've talked about you know what does worship involve? I think it involves drawing near to God in reverence, but also closeness, that kind of relational aspect and that sort of experiential aspect it involves obedience, living God's way in every aspect of our lives, and it involves you know glorifying, proclaiming who God is, praising God. Uh, lifting him up both in church and you know wherever we find ourselves Mm, mm. that's great thanks Uh, the book you've written the rest is worship with sarah really does look at the whole concept of of worship it can be challenging to some actually this book 
worship being viewed from this different angle um, because the rest is worship and the whole emphasis is on worshiping God through our rest. Mm. Um, so, and of course, I love the musical um, pun, <laughs> the rest is worship, yeah, yeah. and the rest in music. Yeah. So if anyone musical is listening to this, you'll get that pun, that double meaning um, as well. So what ins- first inspired you? What brought the whole concept together? What motivated you to put it down in a book? Yeah, I think it was really the pandemic and the lockdown. Uh, so we lead a ministry called Engage Worship, and the moment that lockdown hit our entire ministry changed all the live events we had all the worship leading the training it all was immediately cancelled um but after a few moments because we're quite a small charity we realized hang on we've got a lot of potential here to quickly pivot and give people what they need so we immediately started putting out daily um family home worship ideas we did about i think about 50 of those uh, in the very early days of lockdown and people really responded to that and then People needed videos and they needed reflective things and things that they could do in front of Zoom or things that they could do that were a little bit more physical because people were getting kind of screened out. And uh, and then we started thinking, well, actually, this isn't going to be just a couple of months. So we started investing into um, creating more printed resources as well. Uh, my wife, Sarah, wrote this book called um, Jesus and Emotions, which was for families about dealing with you know, the strong and challenging emotions that have been coming up during the thing. And we put out you know, various other resources that were printed. I think we did about five books in about a year and a half. So it was really intense. Uh, and then we kind of got to the end of all that. And we said, well, let's meet with our trustees and pray through what's next. Because I'm a bit of an activist by heart. And I'm kind of like, right, the church is coming out of this season. How do we respond? What do we give them? And it was interesting that um, as we prayed with our trustees and listened to God, like the word that everyone was getting was rest. And I was like, what? You know, surely this is the moment to be active. But that was the thing that came out. And to be honest, that was when I I thought of the pun, like the rest is worship. And I have a bit of a thing, you know, as a dad, I love a pun. (laughs) And, uh, you know, almost like you think of that first and then the resource follows later. But we started reading up and we started researching and um, yeah, actually, as we as we as we thought about it and prayed about it, we just sensed God saying, hold on, you can read about this. You can write resources about this, but you've got to rest yourselves. You guys have got to learn to rest. And it was a real um, wake up call that we'd been too busy, that we'd been too up. Uh, I mean, just speaking personally, you know, I'm always rushing from one thing to the next. I'm always trying to fill my time. And God was saying, no, you know, part of worship is learning to truly rest in Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's so important. Thank you. The book itself takes on a structure of like a 40-day devotional that's split into four sections. It's a lovely mix of theory, theology, it's really practical ideas in there as well. Why did you structure it like this? Um, is it is it a more restful way of reading or meditating or yeah? What informed the way that you kind of put it together? Yeah, I think partly it was wanting this to be for the average ordinary Christian. Some of the books we've we've written have been aimed at pastors and worship leaders squarely, and I think pastors and worship leaders can get a lot out of this. 
Um, but I wanted just the average person in the congregation to be able to read it. I've been reading um, a book called Even the Sparrow by Jill Weber, which was set into 40 short chapters. I loved that book and I thought, yeah, actually, as you say, it's a bit more restful. It does mean that if you do like a Lent uh, book, it could be your Lent book. I think it would work really, really well for that. But people could also just read it kind of in the morning, short in a short thing for devotion. Um, and of course, if you want to, you can just binge the whole lot in a weekend uh, as well. There's no reason to do it every, you know, once a day. But yeah, we kind of, we felt that that was, that was important. And, and really... Yeah, we were responding to that sense of God's invitation to us, uh, God's invitation to the church. You know, come, Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary and rest. And I think previously, if I thought about things like Sabbath, uh, just rest in general, there'd been a degree of guilt around them. I think I grew up with a sense that Sabbath was quite a legalistic thing that we didn't need to worry about anymore. Um but then I started to, I think we started to realise that actually God was just, you know, offering us a gift and saying, hey, I want to spend time with you. I want to rest with you. I want you to have the replenishment and the refocus that comes when you when you pause. And that sort of phrase of Jesus, you know, Sabbath was made for humans, not humans for the Sabbath, really started to sink in. Oh, this is for our benefit. You know, this isn't God over our shoulder going, oh, are you working? You know, it's actually him going... This is for you. This is for your benefit. So do you think that church, um, particularly the modern day church, uh, the church of today, um, do mm. you think that the church needs to get better at rest? 100%, yeah. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of activity in the church and a lot of that's really good. There's a lot of service. There's a lot, um, even in, in, when it comes to worship, a lot of effort and work that goes in. People have raised their game. You know, nowadays people are on the, they're live streaming their services and that makes you go, oh gosh, we sound awful. We need to <laughs> raise our game, you know, all of that kind of thing. And a lot of that can be good, but actually a lot of it just can be really exhausting. And it kind of, I think again, the, the pandemic made you realise because I know a lot of people worked hard during the pandemic, but actually a lot of people got to have Sundays on the sofa in their pyjamas and they started to realise, actually, we were exhausted. You know, we were wrung out by what we were doing beforehand. And I know that people have struggled to get their rotors filled again after the pandemic. And that's something that is a, a real concern to many church leaders. But it ought to be a bit of a wake up call Um my well she's my vicar now when we lockdown started i remember going for a walk with uh, grace sentimu bavistock who's a church leader in luton where we live and we just talked about she said you know we were doing too much our services were too long we were too busy we were over committed um jesus comes and offers us rest but the church is really good at exhausting people um and so yeah that led on to a podcast that we did uh during the uh lockdown called disrupting worship where we talked about this disruption and this sense that god was giving us an opportunity i don't believe god sent the pandemic but in the midst of the pandemic god was giving us an opportunity to kind of take stock and say oh maybe we've got the balance wrong mm. maybe we need more rhythms mm. of rest mm. and some people, um, I know when I first started thinking about this myself, um, because I, 
I'm quite a an active person. Yeah, I like to yeah. do stuff. And if I'm not doing things, it drives me crazy. So I'm always <laughs> finding things to do to fill yeah. my time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. is rest biblical? Mm-hmm. Is it just an excuse to be lazy? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, the first, I mean, Bible passage that I would lead people to is is Genesis 2. You know, Gen- God creates um, and then on the seventh day, God rests. And this is an incredible thing to think that our God rests and i actually don't believe that god rests because he's exhausted because it says in the psalms god doesn't get tired so god rests i believe in order to enjoy his creation with the people that he's made and so if the if at the heart of god you've got a god who rests and that shows us that it's right for us to rest and then constantly throughout the bible he's giving us these gifts like sabbath he's giving us opportunities inviting people into his rest jesus says come to me and rest uh, revelation gives us a picture of eternal rest with God. So it seems to be deeply, deeply biblical. I think the, the question of laziness is a really interesting one. And lots of people have that label put on them, maybe at a young age, you know, maybe if they don't live up to their parents or their teachers' expectations, they'll get this label of laziness. And it really hangs over us. And we, we do, um, many of us get our sense of identity and self-worth from achieving things from the things that we can tick off or the the work that we do or the uh, academic achievements we make but it's really interesting um there's this great quote from thomas merton the the monk he says there are times when in order to keep ourselves in existence at all we simply have to sit back for a while and do nothing and for a person who's let themselves be drawn completely out of themselves by their activity nothing is more difficult than to sit still and rest doing nothing at all. The very act of resting is the hardest and most courageous act a person can perform. So like in his view, rather than being lazy, it's actually really hard. And you know that um, feeling, right? When you go on holiday and the week leading up to you going on holiday feels really stressful because you're trying to wrap things up and get things kind of covered or whatever. Or maybe you get back from holiday and you have this pile of emails and your to-do list, and you're like, oh, was it even worth it going away? Um, but there is something about that, like that putting the effort in to being able to rest, being courageous to say to people, if you work for a church, you'll say to people, look, I'm not gonna be contactable on this day because that's my Sabbath, or I'm going on retreat, or I'm going on holiday. To say, at these times, my phone is gonna be off because mm. I'm spending time with God, or I'm spending time resting. That's really courageous, that's not laziness. That takes a lot of effort. Yeah, it does. And you're talking about rest um, quite a bit. And we can find your definition of worship. But in your book, it was very interesting that even rest, the idea of how, what mm. counts as rest, yeah, um, can, be, can be quite different. Sure. Even sort of almost active yeah. in a way, rather than just sitting on a sofa and doing nothing. Um, you know, you mentioned a play mm. as being an example of a type of rest. So, you know, just talk us through one or two of these other different ideas of what rest is rather than just yeah, sitting yeah, there yeah. doing nothing. We, one of the things we do is we try and contrast um, true rest, the rest that Jesus offers us with what we call counterfeit rest. So there's lots of things that advertisers or the world or our phones, our tech companies tell us will be restful. 
So you get this sense of, well, if I've got five minutes between something, what I'm going to do is turn my brain off by scrolling on my phone. But if you start to analyse that, I call that counterfeit rest, because actually after five minutes of scrolling my phone, I don't feel restored. I don't feel closer to God and more, you know, get energised and full of life. I feel more drained, more stressed, more anxious. Um, and the same is true with things like, I mean, and, and none of these things are absolutely bad, but often we get drawn into something like, oh, I'll watch, a, you know, a binge box set or I'll, I'll have a few too many more drinks or I'll go and do some retail therapy and that will be restful. And then we realise, well, actually, it wasn't that restful. Um, and so part of this, I think, is about finding what's right for us. And that's going to be to do with our personality. It's going to be to do with our life stage. It's going to be to do with what we do as a job. So for me personally, I don't cook very much in the week and I'm not a professional chef. So on a Saturday, I can happily make a meal and I'll be quite restful. And it's kind of work for some people, but for me, it's quite restful. Or as you say, play is another really good example. So play something that we think of as only for children and is for children. But when we look at what kids are doing in play, play has to be something that in the moment is not really achieving anything, but actually in the long term, it achieves loads of stuff. So the example I got is I was playing Lego with my son and we were wanting to, he was saying, oh, I've got these motors. Can we make this thing that goes on my head and then fires these little Lego studs uh, with these motors and this remote control? And he thought this was awesome and we really enjoyed making it. And then I said, oh, look there, there's a second motor. We could make the, the mechanism go up and down. So I start sort of striving, and I'm not very good with this Technic Lego, so I start striving and sort of <laughs> really making this big effort and I'm getting more and more irritated with this thing. And after a while, I just see my son start to sort of move away and eventually start playing with something else. And I realised, oh, I turned what was play into trying to achieve something, into trying to strive and get stressed. And So I think play has got a lot to teach us and it's worth thinking about what is genuinely playful for you? What gives you a sense of life? It's not about striving, it's not about achieving something in the moment, but actually that might be creative, it might be to do with sports, it might be to do with, you know, even like sitting with children and learning that they're so in the moment when they're playing, they're mm. just absorbed in that. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot that that can teach us. I have so many questions that I want to ask. The time is ticking away. You guys really have to read this book. If you've been intrigued by some of the stuff that Sam's been talking about, there is so much more to explore um, other than that. Now, you've got the book, The Rest is Worship, but you've also got an additional resource that goes alongside it, um, which is a companion leader's guide. Um, how do you envisage that being used? Yeah. So as I say, we wanted the book to be for everyone. And there is a section at the end which starts to th get people thinking about rest and gathered worship. But we and so we didn't want to pack the book with resources. So we thought we'd do, a, as you say, a second book, a leader's resource ebook. An ebook's good because you tend to use this sort of thing in a workspace and then you can just click on the links and immediately uh, you can go to prayers and songs and resources and PowerPoints and videos and stuff that will help you. So that resource really is there to get people thinking, OK, I've, we talk about, you know, you deal with your own mask first, right? When you're on the aeroplane, they say deal with your own mask first. So think about what rest needs to look like for you. But then if you're a church leader or a worship leader, start to think about what does this look like in my church? And I think part of that is really just down to simplifying your worship 
actually saying there's too much in here. We're trying to, one of the things Grace uh, has taught me now, we're, we're part of her church in Lee Grave. And uh, she has radically cut down what they used to try and fit into a Sunday morning. And generally, we're now doing services that come in under 50 minutes. And it's been really remarkable to me how that has connected with new people. Our church is growing. It's helping us as leaders because we're not feeling so exhausted at having to fill a church with so many activities. Um, we have certain things that we repeat each week. So the same uh, gathering prayer, the same blessing at the end. And then, yeah, we just don't try and do so many things. And if, you know, Sunday's getting a bit full, Grace will say, well, let's just cut that. Let's just take that bit out. Let's not have a talk. Let's not have communion. Let's not have so many songs. Um, and then when it comes to singing as well, this is something we talk about a lot in the in the ebook. Um, I think song worship has got really, really complicated. And if you talk to a lot of church leaders, they'll say, we don't have the musicians, we don't have the technology, um, or someone will say, well, in order to worship, we need to get all the PA set up, all the screens the set up, machine, the backing track, the fancy the light machines. show. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And again, I'm not doing those down because I love creativity and actually think technology can be a real blessing. But do we need all that stuff every week? Do we need? And the, the simplest answer I have for, for church leaders is you've got a community choir in your church. It just needs to be tapped and really all you need to do is find simple songs that people can sing and encourage those voices and immediately you could be singing sung worship every week with very little technology with very little need and and we you know we really encourage a cappella singing or singing just to one instrument um, it's been really interesting to me we we did a retreat i'll, I'll tell you in a moment about a, a ministry we do called evergreen um we had this weekend um residential with them and uh the guys that i work with timo and Gemma, had led some fantastic sung worship over the weekend and they had you know they all planned and they had a little band and we had the screens and you know and it was really really great but then on the sunday morning um timo my colleague said to me and oh, i'm not sure about sung worship this morning i have this couple of songs planned i'm not sure if they're the right thing maybe we should just skip the sung worship and we were like hang on a minute you know, we're just writing this book about restful, simple worship. Why don't we just try a bit of that? So literally, we just sat around in a circle and Timo said, we're going to start off by humming a D chord. So we just found the notes of a D chord. And in this little circle, we all started humming that D chord. And then he said, well, anyone wants to pray or sing, just let's just start to do that. So after a little while, someone just started, you know, um, here I am to worship, you know, and then someone read a bit of scripture and then someone started a different song and there was no technology at all it was completely unplugged there was no screen there was no person up the front leading there was no planning but to me that was the most powerful and um yeah just life-changing act of worship really where we really felt we met with god and we really felt that we were doing it together and i i just use that as an example really to say let's not forget that God has given us everything we need. Whatever church you're in, he has given you what you need to worship him. That is really encouraging, Sam. Thank you. There's lots of great ideas in there. We're going to come back to speak more with Sam Hargreaves about this whole idea of rest being worship, as well as finding out more about him as a person right after these. So do join us then. 
If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can help keep it on the web. All you've got to do is buy me a coffee. Head over to buymeacoffee.com slash to make a donation. There is a link in this episode's show notes. So go on, buy me a coffee today and help this podcast to keep supporting Christian books and authors. Hello and welcome back to the Christian Book Blurb podcast. I'm chatting with the author Sam Hargreaves about the topic of understanding rest as worship. Now, Sam, I I know a lot of people listening to this podcast um, might have been hearing all these great ideas about being restful and how beneficial it is and how biblical it is and, you know, how we can integrate it in a corporate worship setting. But some people might say to you, Sam, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to find time mm. in my schedule to actually rest. So here's my question. How do you make time for rest? Yeah. So I started to think of it in terms of different cycles. You know, naturally, we have the cycles of day and night. God's given us that. We need to rest when it's dark. He's given us the year. So, you know, nature bursts into activity in Uh, spring and summer but then it starts to die off and become dormant in the autumn and winter and so I've been thinking that for myself as well so I just think about my daily schedule and think well where is space for rest in my day for example and for me it's been about making I get up a little bit earlier than I used to do uh, and I spend a bit more time with God uh, and I don't try and achieve very much often it's just reading a Christian book and just sitting quietly with God or just offering up a prayer for my day. But I try and take that time in the morning, a little bit of time when I go to bed. Uh, and that's important for me. And then I'm, I'm working in other rhythms. But then also thinking about your week. You know, not everyone feels they can have a whole day or certainly not a Sunday if they work for a church. But is there part of a day or a day in your week that you could set aside as Sabbath? We talk a bit about in the book. And then the sort of the rhythm of maybe a month or a term Could you take one day as like a prayer day each month or each term and just carve out that time? And then your year, you know, within your year, I mean, I would challenge church leaders. Are they taking all their vacation time? Many don't, you know. Are you setting aside some time for a retreat? And I totally agree we're all busy and there's all these demands on us. But but honestly, for the long term um longevity sustainability of our ministries i genuinely don't believe that people can last the long term of ministry if they don't start making this time you know people think oh it's inefficient to rest actually over the long term it's really inefficient not to rest um and you know we all we all need it it's going to make our um ministries more joyful you know what your church needs is you at your best emotionally healthy spiritually healthy physically healthy that's what they need when you're exhausted when you're going for the dregs at the bottom of the barrel of your faith you know when you're physically wrecked you're not giving your church your best so it's to me it's actually more effective Mm. to get the rest you need good point good point sam one of the things we like to do here on the podcast we obviously like to talk about Christian books, um, <laughs> but we also like to sort of um, get an insight into the author as <laughs> as a person. Now, I know Sarah's not with you today, um, but for you then, you've talked a lot about what you do 
for, to have rest and to have fun. But have you got any favorite things? Yeah. You know, yeah. favorite foods, um, favorite movie, or one of your favorite things to do? I don't know, anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, things to do. Uh, we, I think, like many people, sort of rediscovered going outside for walks during lockdown and we still love that getting out in the park or just trying to walk a bit more rather than drive everywhere um i really uh i'm a big fan of star wars ah. and i like that's my would be my sort of favorite thing <laughs> the, now, uh, the do you think is it more the original star wars films or are you happy with the disney-fying of the more modern versions yeah, I am pretty happy. The, okay. I think, like most people, I'm not particularly a fan of the sort of the uh, episodes one to three. Maybe that's a bit controversial for some, but I, the, some of the more recent stuff, I thought the Andor series recently was really good. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, as I say, like I like things like cooking. I liked. I actually like as well like music. I have to. Um, I was talking before about you know what's work for you. And I found that sitting and writing a worship song or practicing what I would do on a Sunday morning, that's kind of feels like work. So I found with music, I tried to do other things. Um, so I've got a loop pedal and an electric guitar, which I would never really use in, in worship, the youth loop pedal. But for me to sit around messing around with that, creating loops and layers and, and stuff, that's quite fun. Or with my family, we, we will sort of get out song books or try and learn um, things most of my play, family play something so you know playing together and playing stuff that's not um for church that's that's a really fun way to relax for us so i know during lockdown you said you wrote about three or four books during that time um so i'm pretty sure you've got something on the boil um in the background that you're working <laughs> on at the moment it might be a book it might be um, another creative project um you know what's coming up soon that you can tell us about yeah well to be honest i mean in the spirit of rest <laughs> we don't have anything immediate coming up in terms of a book uh we've decided to really take this season to to do our best to kind of spread the word about it so we're doing things like this podcast we're doing retreats we're doing training days if people want us to lead a retreat that could be in person or on zoom uh, for your network we're really happy to do that or we're sort of taking bookings now for the autumn to, to go and lead training days um, we've also got a project I mentioned earlier called Evergreen, which my colleagues Timo and Gemma started a couple of years ago. And that's really aimed um, at 18 to 35 year old worship leaders. And we've really identified that there is a gap there, particularly where people get employed by their church, often at a young age. But the sustainability is really low. And lots of people will do two, three years and then either burn out or get a bit fed up or actually feel there's no kind of career path here, there's no vocational um, sort of journey. And so we run retreats and we also run this thing called Evergreen Plus, which is like a year long formation program where they go on a residential first and they have these retreats and they have a mentor uh, and we give them kind of monthly uh, spiritual habits that they can try out. So I'd really encourage people to check that out. It's engageworship.org slash evergreen if you want to find out more about that. And um, probably just as this podcast comes out, we'll be starting to, to launch the, the bookings and the applications for Evergreen Plus for 2024. So I'd love people to check that out. And just generally, as you say, we did put out a lot of books during lockdown and we kind of feel, yeah, we want people to know about those. So there's 
a mixture of there's a book called How Would Jesus Lead Worship, which is just trying to help people think about That's a brilliant book. Um, I, uh, I've read that. It's really good. Thank you. Thank you. That was basically our kind of most basic. If I'm a worship team, a worship leader, how do I go about this sort of biblically, practically? And there's a video course that goes with that. Um, and then, yeah, others of our books and resources are really like service plans. So we've got uh, ones for different seasons, Lent, Advent, uh, Eastertide, and one on for being outdoors called Worship in the Woods. And they're basically a series of service plans with lots of kind of adaptable resources. So there's prayer ideas, songs, um, videos, sermon mm. outlines, and all that kind of thing. And they come and, with... And how, how will people... Um be able to find you or find those items or even um, get in contact with you to book in a retreat session or a training session or whatever how can people find you to contact yeah. you and find out yeah engageworship.org is the best place to go you'll find uh, all of our resources you'll find the stuff about the rest book i should say actually the rest book if people want to try before they buy they can download the first four chapters uh, from the website for free and they can see the the songs we wrote for the project and the videos and stuff. There's, there's stuff that comes with the uh, leaders ebook, but you can kind of preview a lot of that stuff on the website. Uh, yeah, and they can find out there about our training, get in touch about booking us for things. We're also on most of the social media things. It's normally at Engage Worship, um, and then at Evergreen Worship UK as well on Instagram and things for for Evergreen. Um, or you can just email us info at engageworship.org. That's fantastic. Well, thank you, Sam. Thanks so much for giving of your time today to chat with us here on the Christian Book Club podcast. Um, thank you also to you, the listener. And now we do have a treat for you coming up as a, as a thank you to listening to this podcast. Sam and the guys from Engage Worship are incredibly talented and they have given us a song to play us out. So a song from the Rest is Worship project for you to enjoy and just before that though uh, thank you so much for listening don't forget that this podcast comes out twice a month so hopefully we'll be seeing each other again really soon as i interview another christian author about their books their faith and their life thanks for listening and i'll see you again soon but here is sam and the team from engage worship playing us out with their song come all you heavy laden Find rest for your souls Come all you stressed and anxious Come all who clench their fears Come all whose minds are reeling Find rest for your souls Peace, be still my soul of Jesus Come and sit at His feet Come, it's all that you need Surrender all Be still, my soul Come all you 
your yoke is easy, Jesus, your burdens light. You walk along beside me in rhythms of grace. Help me lay down my burdens. Help me unclench my fists. Breathing a little deeper. Thanks for listening to Christian Book Blurb with your host, Matt McClary. Do give it a like, give it a share and let your friends know all about it. We do hope to see you again soon on another Christian Book Blurb.